0: And welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity, and this week I have a great returning guest, Merlin Mann. If you've not heard the first episode where we kind of touch on his superhero origin story of even getting involved with doing anything productivity-wise, you can check that out at beyondthetodolist.com/32. There's also a companion piece of sorts that Merlin touches on at the end of this episode, which is episode 153 of Back to Work, the show that Merlin does with Dan Benjamin over on the 5x5 network, Anxiety's a Goat. I've also given the link to that episode in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at beyondthetodolist.com slash 59. You can go there to follow along with all the things that are mentioned in this episode. This one is another longer episode, if there's anything I know, is that there's never a short Merlin Man podcast, and that's a good thing. Covered in this episode is the the idea that there are these unknown inboxes that are out there that we don't know about that could keep us up at night. There's also the relationship we have with the inboxes that we do know of and the relationship that we've accepted with those and how we can either tend to take them too seriously or not seriously enough. And just that overall sense that we don't like to talk about, where we feel like there's more that we could be doing, or there's more that we should be doing, or even opportunities that we're not in the right time or right place to hear about, let alone take advantage of. And again, we touch on the real notion of Inbox Zero. What percentage of your brain is somewhere you don't want it to be right now? Ideally, zero percent. Hence, Inbox Zero. Anyway, let's get right into the episode. All right. This week, Merlin, you're back. Welcome back. Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me back, man. Last time you were here, we talked about a ton of different stuff. I wanted to introduce you to my audience, those that hadn't heard you before, hoping that they would glean something awesome from it, which, you know, whether it's people that I knew that were like, again, shouting – inbox zero like they were mel gibson in braveheart and trying to talk about like what the right zero was that it was never about just getting everything out of your inbox email wise specifically and and people responded people really liked that episode in fact you were nice enough to share that and you and dan benjamin even made it a five by five special which was i was
1: cool. nice enough because that was cool. i really i thought it was really good i enjoyed doing it and uh, i also saw a lot of nice responses so it's it's a uh, an honor and a thrill to be back
0: after that episode, it got me thinking about all the different areas of input that I have in my life. And, you know, I'm trying to get good work done. I'm trying to use my time effectively, maintain, you know, a certain amount of attention on the right things. And I kept realizing that I kind of felt like I had a bunch of different inboxes. Like I was I was not appropriately engaged, so to speak. And so all of my life had become an inbox, You know, so I've got regular tweet mentions or DMs, whether they're spam or not, or uh, texts from my wife, or let's see what else—Facebook messages. Which I I have to applaud you. Have you never done Facebook? I did Facebook for a while. Did you? But you quit it, right? I think so. I love that you don't even know.
1: Well, I mean, there's several times I thought I quit Facebook, and then I discovered there were new radio buttons they'd introduced. I I don't know. To me, it's it's kind of like trying to figure out whether whether there's a turd in the coffee pot. It's like I could go in there and really dig around, but I'd just as soon not use the coffee maker mm. anymore. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I – I'm probably using the wrong term here. I think I deactivated my profile. So, I don't know. Anyhow, yeah, I'm with you, though. I mean, there's a lot of inboxes out there. And and there's the the, the wonderful part is that there are so many inboxes out there that we don't even know about. That's what always keeps me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I, I'm not being facetious. That's the, To me, that's the most harrowing part of – the inbox thing is uh, expectations about you that you don't even know exist. Yeah. I mean, you've got you got enough to deal with people that are poking you. But but uh, on the other hand, there's also the, the part, honestly, the, the part that I find so uh, tr- troubling and unresolvable is if we take inbox in its broadest sense of the term, and I think that the, the phrase I used last time I was on here was that it it's something that might contain something that you might need or want to know about, but it's that uncertainty about about whether something is in there and what it is that makes an inbox into an inbox rather than, say, a shelf, right? I mean, it, you wouldn't want to open up your, like, like, like we got a drawer in our kitchen where we keep all of our utensils, and when you open it up, you see forks, you know, four forks, four knives, four spoons, et cetera. Uh, sometimes there's three spoons and one fork, but there's never a bison in there. There's no way there will ever be a bison in my silverware drawer, and I find that comforting. That is a place for storage now. Uh, I, I know what kind of stuff goes in there. It's an extremely mature, bison-free system, and I'm totally comfortable dealing with it. I think the troubling part is knowing how many things out there where, where there might be a bison. What makes an inbox an inbox is it might have something. That's so important, right? It's like you know, your mailbox at home. You know that probably plus or minus once a day, there will be new U.S. Postal Service mail that you will collect and do something about but, I mean, there's there's a fairly finite number of ways that you deal with that. That's a, as as horrible as the postal system is right now, God bless it. I mean, there's still a very fairly finite number of things that might be in there. But on the other hand, you know that if you went away for a week and came back, there's a really good chance that there would be stuff in there. Maybe not all stuff you want, but, you know, there'd probably be some bills and some letters. You know what I mean, though? like To me, those kinds of inboxes are are weirdly doable in a lot of ways. And in most cases, they are... Am I prattling on? No. Would you tell me if I am? No.
0: Okay, uh, yes, yes. Sorry, I'll be
1: honest. Um, uh, <laughs> well, no, I mean, here's the thing. Like, you, you went and signed up for a Facebook account, and you have continued to have some interest in finding out what's in there. For whatever reason, that's an inbox you've accepted. You know, you wouldn't get DMs from your friends if you didn't respond to them. They'd eventually stop writing to you. You know, you you could always delete the Twitter app. You could always delete your account. Those are on some level, even if you have extremely good reasons for it, those are, you still have your reasons. You brought all those things in and you wouldn't have them there if there was never anything new in them. You wouldn't check them if there was never anything new in them. We have to be sympathetic toward other people and their inboxes. We have to understand that everybody's got things they have to check for a reason. But again, as I said last time, I think the first step with the inbox problem is to first become a little more sober about acknowledging how many known inboxes are in your life. And for me, let's, I mean, let's talk about varieties of inbox. It doesn't have to be a box, it could be my daughter's, the folder in my daughter's backpack that comes home every day and has something about her schoolwork in it. Related to that, I get, e- I get probably five to 10 emails a day about stuff related to her school way more than I ever would have expected some of it is stuff like hey please make sure the kids come in on time some of it's stuff like we need volunteers for this auction some of it's stuff like uh, you know here's a, a restaurant that's having a special this month it's it's like being on a mailing list so that, that's an inbox and I, I I need to check that it's a frustrating e- inbox to me because there's not actually that much stuff in that particular email inbox if you like that, that like I need to do anything about but I still kind of need to read it that's kind of the classic annoying inbox, right? Um, and that's just, that's just one little tiny aspect of uh, of you know other daughter related inboxes, we get a reminder in the mail about you know getting her teeth cleaned, or there's an insurance thing that we've got to fill out a form for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So those are those are inboxes I don't love having, but I deal with them because they're important. You know, so everybody's got those, but again, to just to repeat myself a little from last time, I think it's really important to become aware of how many of those known inboxes are out there because for every one of those inboxes that are out there. Whether we like it or not, we have to make a decision about how seriously we're going to take it. And so the thing is, the Facebook inbox only becomes a problem. Uh, if you're not taking it seriously enough or if you're taking it too seriously. If you take it too seriously, you might spend too much time looking at Facebook stuff. I, I hear this happens. If you don't take it seriously enough, you're in a really weird state where you're feeling guilty because there might be invitations to somebody's bris that you didn't hear about or something. But you know, you have to figure out like how much of that you can live with. How many of those kinds of inboxes can you stand in your life? You know, and then obviously on top of all the stuff, you know, like work stuff and all the kind of stuff where you feel like you've kind of got to be standing there waiting for the next pitch. Honestly, I, I this is kind of a new idea for me, so I'm not – I haven't figured out how to articulate this well. But the thing that I'm the most scared about in some ways is is that the question of the unknown. So the unknown in the sense of like, oh, my gosh, what's going to be waiting for me when I wake up this morning in that inbox? Ugh, you feel a sense of dread. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of like, I – have a creative mind insofar as I can come up with some terrible, terrible things that are going to be waiting in there for me. And then if I open up that inbox and it's not terrible stuff, it's merely just stuff stuff. Like I don't actually feel that much better. I still had that weird adrenaline feeling of like, Oh, this is going to be some terrible news. Somebody died or like, you know, you know, my, my credit card's been compromised. Like who knows what's waiting for me? I think that sense of the unknown is what makes inboxes vexing. Even the inboxes that we know about but the part that i that i've started to develop a real interest in the really harrowing ones are the inboxes that you don't know are out there like you know i think modern anxiety hangs on this idea you I know mean, again to contrast anxiety versus fear fear is is the bear that's about to attack you i am i am fearful of this bear anxiety is i just know in my heart there's a bear that's about to attack me i just haven't seen it yet and you could carry that around all the time. You could go through you know, 75 years of never actually seeing a bear and still spend every waking moment thinking about a bear attack. And I think that's what inboxes can do to us if we let them because there's this gnawing feeling. There's more I could be doing. There's more I should be doing. There's somebody talking smack about me in this place. There's uh, job opportunities that I'm not learning about. Uh, I could you know, get a mortgage refi, whatever that is. There's all this stuff out there that, I just, I, I know could be good for me or more likely could be terrible for me and I just don't know about it yet. I don't have any way to find out, but I'm gonna spend the rest of my life sitting here waiting for the next sick piece of information to engulf me.
0: Have you ever had that feeling? I am familiar with that feeling.
1: Uh, that's that's, a, that's yeah. a feeling that I'm sorry to say I live a lot of the time. Just Just waking up in the morning and feeling like I need to go you know, turn on my iPhone and look at my inbox to find out if I've wronged somebody somehow or some horrible, you know, event has occurred. I, I don't, I'm not trying to be negative. No. But I mean, if, if inboxes only existed to be full of exactly five things every week that made us happy, they wouldn't be inboxes in the conventional sense. You know, it's uh, something, uh, you know, there's a big. Uh, thing going on right now with the whole guy the guy pulling flappy birds from right, the app store yeah. so it 's uh, in a nut for for posterity it's a it 's an application that got really popular and this guy 's life got really turned upside down despite making a lot of money from it he, His life got turned upside down from the negative comments and somebody wrote in writing about this somebody uh recently said, well, you know for every ten positive comments you hear there could be 10, you know what, I'll say there could be 50 positive comments you hear. What you're going to remember is the negative one. That's the one that will eat at you. You're not going to sit there at night thinking about how, how much somebody loves what you do. You're going to be sitting there thinking about somebody who said something kind of true about you, a stranger. And I think that's the kind of thing that eats us up inside. I think it's that feeling of like knowing how awful that makes us feel and how much we can sit with that that makes us scared about inboxes. That, that's what I think. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a problem. Like if you didn't care, you'd ignore it. If it wasn't worthwhile, you'd delete it. If it didn't potentially have anything that could have any impact on your actual life or sense of self, you wouldn't worry about it. You'd look at it and laugh, you know? <laughs> but there are, I think there are people out there who feel like if they don't look at Twitter, they will miss something. They, they will, And it could be something as trivial as like they miss, like, I don't know, Bob Costas' pink eye. And they really wanted to get in on that, on that party. But it could also be that, like you miss your opportunity to participate. You, like you, you essentially didn't get invited to the party anyway. Yeah. I, I am prattling on, but it's to me, it's it's one thing to say, "Wow, I have a lot of work to do today." I know that if I did not collect another single scintilla of new information today, I would have plenty I could do. If all the computer. let's say if the internet went off or for practical purposes, if, if I just didn't have new inboxes today, if I turned off my phone, if I went, I would still have so much I could do today, and in some ways that would actually be kind of a cool day, because I I, I know I wouldn't have to be playing defense on anything. Nobody has that, though. Yeah. Because you know there's always something out there. There's somebody who needs something from you. There's some piece of information that's going to help shape who you need to be today, And I think it's extremely difficult, even in our greatest moments of repose, to completely disconnect from that today. And and it isn't just a question of like, you know, pointing at the computer and saying, Jacuz, because like we have a role in all of that. But even if you get past the giant amount of work you could do on a desert island today, you're still going to have the amount of stuff you know will be waiting for you from other people today. And then you got the next concentric circle out, which is the stuff you are pretty sure will be coming in the next six to ten days I have not got in and gotten any really bad news about work in a week so it's about time <laughs> and then the next concentric circle out that I think is a very natural consequence of all of those other circles is just a sense of dread you call it dread, you could call it angst uh, you could call it whatever you want but just this kind of keyed up sense every day I wake up knowing there's something out there that's kind of out to get me and then that adds a toxicity to every single one of those circles all the way back in. So all the stuff that you might get from work suddenly becomes much more dangerous and, and, and seemingly um, threatening. Um, all the stuff in your day-to-day communication suddenly is drained of, of any joy. Like it's going to become very gray to dark black. And then right in the middle, even trying to sit down and just do the work you know you need to do, your mind is now so polluted with those thoughts Maybe I'm maybe I'm overdramatizing this, but I think this is a conversation people don't like to have, is that even when you're sitting there trying to do the simplest thing, there's, there's some part of your head that's being eaten up with all the stuff that could be out there. Now, that's way overdramatizing something as simple as an email inbox, except when it's not. And I just, I think that's a conversation that, that people should be having more. It's like, how do, we, how do we get past that? How do we get over that? What are the inroads to poisoning our own well less often?
0: That is a very interesting topic i'd love to talk a little more about that yeah you got um, you got an answer for me uh, honestly can, can, I, can you help me? can you help a brother out yeah. <laughs> um, I, honestly if I'm at a place like that like if if I were to go through what you were just talking about as if I was you know if i 'm Morrissey working in an office is what that sounds like um, <laughs> it, it's almost as if how do you do something where you Ultimately, it's how do you gain perspective on it mm-hmm. is what I hear, hear you're, you're asking. And that's a struggle. Like you may not have the mind space to be able to muster up any kind of – whether it's an emotion or positive thoughts or, or whatever that is required. But I think we're talking how do you change or flip your perspective on this? Um, even if you're fully aware of the reality of the situation, how do you look at it through different glasses?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and let me just
0: stipulate a couple a couple contradictory things about this, uh, which is, first of all,
1: uh, I, I think what I'm describing there is much more common than anybody wants to
0: admit. Oh, totally. Like, you're, as you were saying it, I was realizing I feel there's probably that. something
1: on your mind today.
0: That, yeah, that you didn't know you were kind of thinking about. But
1: but here's the thing about that, and and you know, you say Morrissey at at the office, but I got a feeling that. That is so common, it might blow our minds. How many people that are walking around looking totally fine are actually without even possibly consciously realizing it actually struggling with some aspect of that going around in their head. It isn't like you got to be sitting there opening a vein. Like there could be something where you're just you you know, I'm not saying people are like, you know, on the verge of going crazy or something because it is a real slow a slow boil. And because it's not something that is directly in your face. This gets to the second part, I guess, which is that your brain will do all the cooking for you. Like, don't worry about that. So even though you may have a smile on your face and be doing fine, taking good notes at the meetings and parking in the right space, there could be a... fair amount of internal turmoil going on about all of that, that sort of anxiety, I, th- I think. But um, but then, yeah, to, as to the perspective point, well, the truth is, like, it is kind of a perception and perspective issue in some ways, which does not mean it's simple. It does not mean it's simple as saying, I'm just going to buck up and talk myself out of it. I don't think it's nearly that simple. No. Um, you know, well, if it was, everybody do it. Maybe. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that seem e- seems easy enough for everybody to do and they don't. But it is... Just because it's in your brain doesn't make it real, doesn't make it unreal, rather. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, if you've never gotten punched in the nose in your entire life, and then you wake up one morning, you go to the coffee shop, and somebody punches you in the nose, you're going to be really, like, really super surprised and go like, wow, wow, I got punched in the nose. That's super random and awful, and and that's never happened before. And then, let's say, randomly, uh, you go out to dinner, and you get punched in the face again, twice in the same day that's going to that's gonna seem like a message from God. That's going to seem like the strangest thing in the world. I would even say at that point, you might spend all of the next day being completely obsessed and terrified with the idea that a third punch in the nose is on the way. I, I, I mean, I, I know yeah. how I am. Doesn't that seem like it would kind of make sense? If you went through your, like a pretty long time without feeling that kind of a, a physical... Uh, you know, altercation from a stranger and you get it twice in one day when that kind of make you feel like something had changed. So that such that the next day is a pretty good likelihood as crazy as it sounds that it might happen again. Well, here's the, here's the ironic part of that. I, I mean, is not, this is not fair to say that like you could get into a state of mind where you would go something that's never happened before until yesterday. It might happen again. Maybe that's something where you suddenly you fainted and then you fainted again. Maybe it's something where you got, uh, Somebody else's mail and then got somebody else's mail again. But something that doesn't happen very often happens a couple
0: times. Well, I have have an example here. Uh, A couple months ago, a couple couple months ago, I never get pulled over, I I drive. I I never get pulled over. Pretty safe driver. And within three months, got pulled over twice, not for speeding. Well, for speeding, but I wasn't speeding. Like the cops were meeting their quota. So suddenly that happens twice. And I am now literally like – paranoid when i drive because i expect it to happen again how, how, how long ago did that happen uh it, it happened let's see l- late fall and then late summer so within three months it happened twice and so i'm just waiting for the third one at this point isn't
1: that crazy it seemed it's so improbable and and so i mean and the beauty part is like you weren't even speeding so right. it's it really is like something out of a dystopian It, it novel, was nothing right?
0: – yeah, it was nothing I had control over other than – I mean obviously still safe driving. But I, that's why I, I expect it because it wasn't something I – did. like there wasn't a cause and effect. I did something and so something happened. It's just out of the blue. Well, that's that's actually a,
1: a pretty perfect example. And, and now even though it has been some months since right. you got pulled over for no reason, you're still kind of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so. The punch in the nose example is probably extreme, but I, I wanted to pick something that crazy and out there because even though your entire life, let's say you've gone 35 to 50 years without ever having this one thing happen, because it happened more than once in a short period of time. Maybe even if it happened once, you know, if you had, if you, if you had um, something really terrible happen, uh, it, it, it can set you off. I think when things happen more than once, it's easy to feel like that's the beginning of a trend line. So. My only point is that if we can seed that being pulled over for no reason or punched in the nose or some, something else that seems impossibly coincidental happens, then that can change the way we think about stuff. It can it change the way that we perceive things. I, I'm, I'm just here to it. I want to take it to a way crazier level, which is I think it takes much less than being punched in the nose. I think it takes much less than being pulled over for no reason. I think for those of us who are predisposed to this kind of thing, Starting to imagine those, those ghosts coming out of nowhere uh, can happen from, from a, a fairly minor thing. It could be maybe there's a couple days where uh, your boss rejects a code commit. Somebody doesn't say hi to you in the hallway. There's a scratch on your car. You could call it paranoia. But in a way, it's a form of self-preservation because you're struggling to understand this confusing world that makes no sense. But anyway, I don't want to take this – I don't mean to go all dark shadows here. It's just to say that I think think it's sometimes – it can be really overwhelming when we realize how much of the way that we see the world comes out of how we feel about the world. And then the way that we feel about the world starts to very much affect the way we see the world. At that point, you you might start start out like you know, your Dorothy Gale like skipping around with a basket and everything's great. Something bad happens, and now all of a sudden the world becomes kind of a dangerous place. You can start to second um, second think everything going on around you in the context of this new information that that's, that's made you you know see things. In, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's a two-way street. I think, you know, if uh you know, the way that the way that we see the world can affect how we feel, and then the way that we feel can have a giant impact on how we see the world and so forth and so forth. So, what does it have to do with inboxes? Eh, maybe nothing, except that it's really just a bunch of stuff. It really is just a bunch of stuff. You know, and we talked last time about that whole thing, that phenomenon of going away for vacation and coming back and how much of that stuff is not alive anymore. Mm. And you realize how many of the things in that email inbox you immediately would have tended to if you're the sort of person who's predisposed to that. And you look at all that stuff and it's kind of weird. I mean, it's all just ashes. It's all just stuff that doesn't have any meaning anymore because it's all been taken care of. It's all just bits and bytes. And so much of the stuff that's out there is really just bits and bytes, unless we dramatize it, unless we make it into something bigger than that. And then all of a sudden, Facebook messages make us anxious, you know? The idea of, like, checking the mail makes us anxious. I mean, it isn't as though three days out of five, there's a letter bomb in the mail. It doesn't happen that often. But we can talk ourselves into getting that keyed up, where, you know, in my case, like, I feel like my shoulders are going up around my ears. I'm getting all tense about this. I think that's kind of a real thing, and I think anybody who thinks that doesn't have anything to do with your email inbox is either way healthier than me or is potentially not being super honest about what's going on there. Because what is so complicated about email that you can't just walk away from it? Well, it's human relationships, it's expectations, and it's all this stuff that you ultimately don't have that much control over, so that even the stuff you do have control over suddenly becomes not as much fun because it all just feels like more stuff. It, like, again, like I said last time, you're putting compost in the crisper. You've got all this stuff all mixed together into this big mass of stuff. And suddenly it's just not – you're back in that first concentric circle and it's just not that fun to even do your job anymore because it just feels like there's all this stuff out there. And I, I think that's a really overwhelming feeling that even fairly healthy people have to deal with from time to time, especially today.
0: I like this idea. I, I want to know like – what you, when you said – oh, that's what it was. I was trying to think of what the thought was that I had. When you said the thing about uh, walking away in the vacation, t- treating it like it's vacation and uh, basically coming back and seeing how much of it is now just – it's ash. The fires turned to ash and, and the emergencies aren't there and all that. I mean do you think – not to oversimplify but do you think that's part of maybe a, a an inkling of how you would start to approach maybe changing uh, perspective on that? At least I in the immediate funk, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it would, and, and it would be really nice to think that it's something as simple as saying, like, "Well, I just need to, I just need to buck up, or I just need to be more positive, or I just need to need to need to do all this stuff." But you know, again, if it were, if it really were as simple as the same way that you'd walk out and, and pick up your parents' mail at the mailbox when you were ten years old, we'd be doing that. But it's not that simple. There's obviously there's some steps. I, I think. Well, I mean. To be honest, uh, sometimes just even having this conversation with you right now, this monologue I'm having with Mm -hmm. you, um, this can actually make me feel better. Because when I hear the crazy out in the air, it actually makes me feel a little bit better. And go, you know what? There probably is a whole lot of stuff that's kind of in my head. I mean, and and like play along with me. Isn't there some stuff that's kind of in your head? Oh yeah. And and I actually do think that unless unless you are unfortunate enough to be like super clinical with this stuff, sometimes just being aware of it. Can really help. Sometimes being aware of it and just keeping it in your head will make you become even nuttier about it. But uh, I think there's several fronts to this war, and and you know we have a role in in fighting on almost all of those fronts. Some of those some of those fronts will be a war that continue forever, but we can sure do stuff on our own part. I mean, do you, do you want to pursue this? Is this yeah, good?
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think it, the the other thing that I want to kind of put a pin in and say. Is I really interested in the idea you talked about with uh, that it's relationships and, and and how do you maybe prioritize in terms of you know an, 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 say you got an email from me versus an email from somebody else that you know nobody you, you don't know at all and how do you say okay well like it's the Flappy Bird thing you were talking about like these how do why do you care about these strangers versus you know what your kid thinks of you you know what I mean yeah an no, expectation I, 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 difference there.
1: I do and I think it's I think even if you 're not horribly self involved it's still really complicated because you think about the continuum of, of how we think about ourselves or how we derive our self esteem or our sense of worth or identity uh, if we only came up with that on our own we'd be a little nuts because then we we might as well just believe that we're the that we're Napoleon or we're the king of Spain or whatever you might as well if, if it really is just a matter of who you think you are you are kind of nutty to to just think that you can just be whoever you want to be by fiat. Can we agree on that? That like, that's a certain kind of like psychosis that whatever you think you are is what you are, uh, on the, on the other end of the spectrum, I suppose, if we only think we're what other people think we are, we're also probably a little bit nutty. If, if the only way that we can figure out who we are is by what other people think about us, then that's a little bit unhealthy as well. And I think the, the honest answer for most of us is somewhere in between that's incredibly complicated and constantly changing. I mean, I, would, I, I guess I would like to think that I have some idea of who I am and I would feel better about that who I am when other people say they like what I do or, you know. The usual things, right? Mm-hmm. People say a nice thing. They, you get a compliment. You see that something got a lot of retweets or a lot of listens somewhere. That's a great feeling. And when it's a positive thing, I think the natural inclination is to say, oh, well, I guess I'm right. I guess I am kind of okay today. I guess I'm, I'm somebody that, is, that can be loved and I must be doing something useful because obviously strangers like me. I don't care who you are, how much you think you know who you are. Mm -hmm. If 500,000 people are telling you something, it's kind of hard to not hear it. I mean, you could potentially be like unknown one month and then the next month, like people know what you do like at a coffee shop, like strangers know that. That's really strange. So even if you have the greatest sense of self-worth and a nice simple life and something you understand, there's always a chance the world could really change who you are. If you're really into like a certain political cause or a certain celebrity, you know, the fate of that Public thing that you have no actual impact on could change the way you feel about yourself. You know, if you're a
0: believer, these could be tough days. I guess. Um, well, you, and and here's the thing: you could even have yeah. a negative reaction to a positive, uh, an outpouring of positive. Like I went to uh, a, a, a conference, is a new media conference in, in Vegas back at the beginning of January, and I had a lot of people stop that, that are listeners of the show, and and I had nothing against it. You know, everybody that's listening, but it was so strange and so just i you you i mean you've done public appearance stuff before where people come up and they they love what you do but it, there's that overwhelmingness to it of uh, you know it's that outpouring of even positive that can somehow almost backlash to where i was like oh my gosh i need to go you know hole up in a in a hotel room and watch tv for 5 hours now mhm so i think that's
1: not uncommon Boy, this sounds real, like real deep, like therapy kind of stuff. But right. I, I, think, well, I mean, in the sense that this is the kind of thing a therapist would probably want you to talk about. But I mean, I, I feel like that sense of self stuff becomes important because even if it's something as seemingly simple as inboxes, we started off with this very easy topic of, well, gosh, how do you deal with email? But I, I, I still will hold that an inbox is where you find out what other people expect you to be, who they expect you to be, what they expect you to know, what kinds of stuff. You know, basically, you know, it's like a bug tracker. For your life, you're finding out all this stuff that other people need to be a little bit different about your life, and that could be something as trivial as like, "Hey, could you um, could you drive out and pick up our son? You know, 20 minutes earlier than I'd asked. Um, you know, something as simple as that. Something as as simple as like somebody just calling to check in and find out um, what what the progress on some kind of a report that's important to getting funding for the company or something like that. If you're in the wrong state of mind. You can think that that request to be somewhere 20 minutes earlier is some kind of an attack on your personality and the amount of value in what you do. Um, If you're in the wrong state of mind, that very friendly email from your boss about the report might be taken as an indication that you're on the way out because they think that you're a failure and have to be stood over like a child. You can read whatever you want into all of that stuff, but if it's important to you to understand what the world thinks of you or what they want of you, you have to keep checking that box. And you have to keep re-squaring it against what you're doing right now and, and this is where I, I think this does go from being purely up in the clouds up in the butt thinking to really specific stuff because if you, if you have something that you care about doing today, it's going to take an hour and a half and you're having trouble sitting down to do it, it's worth asking how much of your brain is in an inbox somewhere whether that inbox is about your, your kid's flu shot, whether that inbox is about progress on the Henderson report or whether that inbox is about how well your app is selling or not selling today to me, this is this heavily connected to the idea of inbox zero, because uh, the, even the traditional idea of inbox zero, because to me, the real zero is how much of your brain is somewhere besides where you want it to be right now. And if that's over in some notional inbox, uh, worrying about something that hasn't even become a problem yet, such that you can't concentrate on what you're doing, or you can't fully commit to that, or you can't bring the full confidence of what you do to some creative endeavor because of that distraction, then that's really problematic, Suddenly, that thing, that thing, that very uh, inchoate head up your butt problem has a very real consequence on what you're trying to accomplish.
0: I think you just hit the nail on the head. For we were talking a little bit pre-show about something I was working on, and and I think uh, some audio editing and some stuff like that. And and I think you're right. I think honestly, my head right now, you know, confession time. My head's been a lot of different places all at once for a while right now and so yeah being able to sit and not have those things ring you know ringing metaphorically in my head is hard because i mm-hmm. don't have that noise can, you know i don't have mental internal noise cancellation headphones in my brain right now to sit and focus on this literal noise that i'm trying to edit so <laughs> right that's that's funny
1: well you know it's and and also like if you're feeling something like doubt or a lack of confidence, a lack of skill, a lack of any of the stuff that you would need to just sit down and do a thing. You know, and if you're doing the traditional sort of like cranking a widget work that that David Allen talks about and getting things done, this may not be a problem because your mind can go to a million places. You could mentally compose limericks in your head while you're cranking a widget. It's just that if you're doing work that's ultimately satisfying to you even 50% of the time, you've got to put yourself into it. You gotta, you've got to put your time and your attention into that. You've got to put your, a little bit of your life into that, and it has to be ambitious enough that it would keep you interested. If you want to make five great things this year, you're going to have to put a lot of yourself into that. You're going to have to stretch out a lot. You're going to have to go into places that you may not completely understand yet. You're going to have to be vulnerable. Right, you're gonna have. To, I mean, I, I really think this is true. If you want to become an artist who just paints the same painting over and over, then you're not really an artist anymore. You're just a, an, a compulsive illustrator. But to, to keep developing and evolving and and staying interested, even in what you do, I really think you have to put some of yourself into it, and you have to put yourself out there. And that's why things. If you're not happy with the self that you're putting out there, if you're not thrilled with your confidence and ability to get this done, if you're beating yourself up about what you haven't gotten done in the last 10 days. I think it's not at all uncommon to say, well, maybe even a good way like I wonder if anybody has something nice to say about me that I could go read, or I wonder if there's something that would make me feel right now. Can I go find something that make me real mad about something that I like to get mad about? Could I go and find something that makes me happy about the things I'd like to be happy about, you know? And so you you go out and you seek that stuff out. And that's kind of what Facebook and Twitter are for, right? I mean, that's, you, it's to go out and to, and to poke yourself with this dull screwdriver until you feel something. That's kind of what people do it for. Yes, I know it's about the conversation, the community. But that's kind of what people go there for is that they want to they be for this and against that and excited about this and not excited about that and to be publicly seen doing these various kinds of things. And I think there are lots of people who can do that all day long and still get their stuff done but if you aren't in a good place when you're sitting there and trying to work on the audio file or writing the book or whatever it is, I I don't think it's at all uncommon to be distracted by any of those emotions that are more interesting than what you're feeling right now. It's no fun to sit there and feel not that confident. That's not a fun emotion to have for an hour. And so you might want to just say, you might, to use that word I don't love, you might be distracted to say, well, what's this thing that I can handle? Well, I can handle going and, and, and reading these comments or reading these reviews of my app. And another thing that'll make me feel like I, I'm i starting to realize like I'm getting real anxious because I haven't looked at my inbox for a while. Well, here, if you were super excited about your audio editing, no way in a million years would you go and look at your inbox. That would be a stronger feeling, a more overriding feeling, than that gnawing little buzz about your inbox or about your Facebook or whatever. I'm trying not, not to oversimplify this because I, I think it's not a simple thing. But if you are trying to put yourself into your work and trying to put yourself into your life and you're not happy with that you (laughs) or that thing you're putting it into, I think it's not uncommon at all for those voices to get really quite prominent in our head that there's probably somewhere else that I need to be looking at. Or if I'm worried about who I am, wow, I should probably go out and find more evidence of things that I should be worried about. Whatever that is. I, I, I just think that it's not really as simple as calling it a distraction, saying, oh, it's a distraction. Unplug your router. like that, that, The router you need to unplug is in your brain. It's the part of you that's being pulled in those other places. You can't blame your inboxes, real, imagined, organic or non-organic. It's you. You're, you're the one who has to decide the relationship with that stuff and then like, kind of suffer through it day by day and figure out what you can live with.
0: Yeah, we love to blame everything on technology these days, but uh, people—they well, been... they do. I don't, but okay. other people. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Facebook is technology. I no.
1: mean, te- technology is an artificial heart. The ability to read what somebody says about
0: their cat's latest haircut is not technology. That's just words. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I love what you said about the 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 routers in your brain. I, I people have pro uh yeah, what is it the word. I'm even doing it right now. Uh, procrastinated people have procrastinated well before, uh, you know, the internet or e- technology or whatever, whatever you want to call it, bits and ones and zeros. Before ones and zeros, people still procrastinated, and they weren't lazy. Like they dealt with this stuff even then. I have to believe. Well, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, the.
0: I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be picking nits.
1: I think we're, we're far enough along now that, that we don't have to, to constantly talk about something like being an internet thing. Like if you've got a phone in your pocket all the time, it's a part of your life thing. It doesn't matter whether it's the internet or not. People probably procrastinated with crossword puzzles in Dear Abbey for years before anybody had any idea what a Facebook was. So yeah, I, I, I totally agree on that. But as ever, I guess there's not simple answers to this stuff because no. I, I happen to really believe that... The mindful application of your time and attention allows you to do things like be able to go do something that you enjoy, to do something that's useless, right? To do something that's silly, it, whether that is you know, uh, I guess what LinkedIn. I don't know uh, to, to go go to your update your MySpace page or whatever. <laughs> I'm kidding, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like there are little things we do, like I go and I look at like feed wrangler, right? I'll go look at RSS feeds. I don't have to do that right now. Sometimes me going and looking at that is just a, a fun unwinding thing. Sometimes it's a me procrastinating thing. But you know, I guess what I will say is that you know if you just accept that this stuff is out there and that that it's kind of real even if it's kind of in your head sort of real if you accept that it's out there i think that is a really good first step toward becoming a little more of a sane human because it enables you to do stuff like say well you know boy you know going and playing with my kids should be really fun right now i mean how many i don't get that many years of my kid wanting to play with me like what a dope i must be to want to sit here and do this other thing on the computer instead of you know go go play a game or go play make believe or ride a bike or whatever. But I do find myself doing that sometimes, and and I, I don't feel great about any aspect of that. I don't I don't I don't feel great about like not having the energy to do that. About I, I know that I I can see in her eyes that I'm disappointing her. I'm disappointing me. Like how do you get to the point though where you accept that you're, you do have good days and bad days. You do have good thoughts and bad thoughts. You got a whole range of crap out there that's just floating around all the time that you got to deal with. But ultimately, it still is your world. It's still yours to deal with. It's still up to you to decide that even before you change your perception about things, even before you change your mindfulness about things, just be aware that you have those things. You have perception. You have perspective. You have mindfulness. And, and as I said on a recent episode of Back to Work, remember that you are the thinker of your own thoughts. As, as much, this is, this is real existential kind of stuff. Like, there's nobody, there's no machine out there that's putting probes in your head to make you think the way you think. That's who you are. That's your deal. And I think even before you get to the point of being perfect with that, like being aware of that and acknowledging that is a great first step. Now, why am I saying that? Because there's a lot of people out there who want to talk about procrastination. They want to talk about maybe what they would call ADD. They want to talk about everything in the world that is being visited upon them like some great torrential rain that actually has a huge component right in their own brain and their own uh, will their own interests you know it's it's like it's like people it's like people getting mad at lays for making potato chips or people getting mad at you know nbc for making tv shows well that's what they do they make those things and they put them out. And then you get to decide whether you're going to have them in your life or not. But you, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say on a hopefully positive note is that I don't think you're going to have a lot of success on the work in the center of that concentric circle or getting anywhere near the good and bad thoughts that move out three or four concentric circles from there. You're not going to make a lot of progress with that until you accept that, that you're, you're the place where that change has to happen. Even if it's just in a change in how you see things. Because how you see, how you choose to see things, what you choose to engage with on that Facebook page, like what you see will start to change how you feel. And then eventually what you feel will change how you see. And eventually those things will combine to change the way that you do things like make decisions. And there may eventually, in the fullness of time, come an afternoon where even if you weren't able to forget about reading your Twitter feed, you could at least say, I'm sitting here thinking about wanting to go hit command tab and go look at Twitter, but I'm not going to do it. And it's not going to be a big deal. I don't have to stress about it, but this one time I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to exercise my own will and say, that's a fun thing that I'll do later, but it's not a fun thing I'm going to do right now. That's so small. It's so silly. It's so. It's just, it's just a little twitch of a couple fingers, but that's the beginning of a kind of mindfulness is noticing the thought that you're thinking and saying, is that what I want to do? Is this who I want to be. So, I mean, I'm I'm not a therapist. I can't, I can't help with the big stuff. I can't even manage my own stuff. But I do know it helps me a lot to be aware that there's no big bad person out there to get me. Whether that's the person who's going to come and blow up my inbox <laughs> or the person who's making me think all these terrible things. I am the sole author of all of that awfulness. And I am the curator of all of that awfulness. Like I am the librarian who decides which volume – of petty horrors I take out and decide to read all the way through every day and night. That's entirely up to me. And I think that can be kind of wonderfully harrowing and empowering. But I just, I just don't know of, 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 of any other way to get a handle on it than to start by accepting that you're in the middle of it. Nobody's making you do any of that. And nobody's making you feel bad about any of the stuff that may or may not be in those inboxes except for you. And me, <laughs> you
0: know,
1: yeah. I think we're all in it alone together.
0: For me, where I'm, where I'm hearing, uh, you said curation that we, we have that ability, and I'm I'm thinking when you said that it suddenly my mind was going to, you know, I could turn off any bells and whistles on my phone that alert me to a DM from Twitter or an app mention. Why do I need that to announce its presence every time it happens? It's not. It's not necessary. And that's just one small example. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I, I don't have uh, – I wish I had a, a better handle on this because I don't
1: have a, a simple way to put this. But I have to tell you, I mean, I personally – I think there's a big difference. I beg your pardon. I think there's a big difference between an interruption and a distraction or at least an important difference if not a big difference. Um, in in the whatever eight or so years since I've done 43 folders, I, I would hear a lot of people talk about the interruptions and the distractions in, the, in, their, in their work. right? Certainly, I think we can all understand that the interruption of trying really hard to be head down, heads down on work at your desk and then have, having somebody come up and even interrupt you for something very important. It's a bummer. right? It takes your attention off. You've got to kind of get back on it. Super frustrating when you have to listen to somebody uh, talking about a party that they were at this weekend really loud. That's very interrupting because it's kind of hard to shut out. Or they don't like the distractions. They don't like stuff like having their inbox blinking at them all the time. I guess I just think it's kind of important to distinguish between interruptions and distractions. Because I think an interruption is something that you can't do anything about. Like an interruption is the power going out while you're trying to write something on on your computer. An interruption is somebody saying your name and asking you a question at your desk that you'd be rude not to, you know, poke your head up and answer. The notion of new tweets being available is a distraction, but it's a distraction that you accept. If you take the bait of that, that's not an interruption. That's a distraction. That's something that, that, that you brought on yourself, and it's not going to be as simple as just saying, like, oh, I'm working from home today, because that distraction is still going to be there, regardless of where you are,
0: maybe even easier to get to. Let me basically translate what you just said. You, basically, in what I said, the phone itself sitting there quietly... Not in airplane mode. That could receive a call, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh man, I really want to pick it up and check Twitter right now." That's a distraction. But the interruption is if somebody actually does tweet you and uh, it dings, and <laughs> right? That's the interruption. That it's,
1: you know, but what's funny is and that, and that sounds like we're in like a, a first year philosophy class. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it, it's an interruption. If somebody comes up and shakes you, for sure, right? So yeah. hey, 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 like stop working for a minute and let me tell you about this this fake party I went to this weekend. Um, but what's interesting is, um, and I, this is, I, I feel like I don't want this to come across as like, oh, I'm assigning blame, and oh, you're not self aware because of these things. I don't, I don't mean it to sound that way, but like I, I think there are probably people out there who have mobile phones that. And I say this without without value. Like I don't mean this in like a judgment way. I just just flat out. I think there are a lot of people for whom one of the primary reasons they have a wireless device is to do things like receive notifications. Like they wanna know if there's something that there's a special on group on today that they not want to know about. They wanna know uh, if somebody checked in at this place where they wanna be the prince or whatever. They wanna know if they got an email. They wanna know if they got a text from somebody. Like I I think one of the most important things on a mobile device for a lot of people is to have those notifications. In my case, a notification like you have a meeting in 15 minutes or you have a call in 15 minutes. That means the world to me. Um, and I could be cynical and say, I think for different reasons, I do that so that I can go do my work and not have to think about it until I hear the ding. I don't need all of those things. But it's true. I still rely on that, that kind of external stimulus. But with that said, I wonder how many people know like, how many of those notifications you could turn off or tweak Right. And that's, uh, you know, and I, I have a yeah. feeling that the, most people. The nuance
0: that's, that's available to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, the like, granularity, you can, you can get into like real, like 5% or kind of stuff with this. That's the area that interests right. me. But even just for normal people, I mean, I, I, I think you would have to be a pretty unself-aware person to have your email checking with push notifications or with it checking every minute and then complain about the fact that it beeps all the time, well, you can turn that off. Did you not know that? Like, wh- wait, what are you mad about? Are you mad about the fact that people are emailing you? Are you mad about the fact that you're hearing about this? Are you mad about the fact you got to keep fishing your phone out of your pocket? Or are you mad about the fact that you have not yet made a commitment to how you want to deal with this? I think it might be the last one because if you made a commitment to how you want to deal with this, you wouldn't mind getting those emails you would love it or you would say, this is not tenable. I need to turn this off and I need to just deal with this in a, in a more mature way. If you're not unhappy with what you're doing, then everything's okay. So one thing that might be worth talking about from like a – because I've talked about this in other places but not here. I'd be happy to talk about some of the ways that I try to do things like notifications in, in what I consider a sane way. Yeah. but. But, you know, I also just want to say, like, you know, we all use this stuff for such different reasons and at, at different times, you know, different times a day. I there I have to imagine that this has come up, like, what, two or three times in the last few back to works. There are people who even know about do not disturb mode on their iPhone, but, like, want to hear the ding if they get an email at night. And it's hard for me to say that in a way that does not sound judgmental, because I think that's loony. But... Uh, when they introduced automatic do not disturb mode, like I was so grateful. Do not disturb mode for those of you who don't have an iPhone or, or don't, you know, are listening from a different dimension, um, is a way of saying, look, don't don't make any beeping noises to let me know about things. Don't make flashy things. Like I, I've done the hack where I've turned on the LED light on my phone, so the light. Oh yeah links as well it's 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 like even if i'm in a movie theater i might see that because i'm real picky about what i get notifications <laughs> about like if i get a notification i really need to know about it that's that's a nice place to be um but uh you know my i have my do not disturb turn on at like i think nine or 9 30 p.m and it shuts off at i think 6 30 or 7 around the time you know the family's leaving the house
0: anyway i'd be happy to talk about that but yeah no you know, i love that idea yeah
1: I mean that might hopefully help people but I think it's really easy when you're not happy with yourself you're not happy with who you are it's it's really tempting and even natural to go out and start picking on the wrong people, to start picking on the wrong things, to start getting mad about trying to find this thing that's making your life the way it is. I think this is such a problem today. People who are always looking for other the people that cause the problems in their life. The people who have made them mad and made them the way they are. I don't love being bitter about the world, but you've made me this way, people. So I think people love to go out and, and find some kind of bugbear that they can blame for things being the way they are. And I think the inbox writ large, like the, the constellation of inboxes, the constellation of places where we go and find things and the way we find out about it, are a really big target. It's really tempting to say, I hate email. I hate getting all this email. Um, you know, uh, I, in my case, I might say, wow, just on this particular day, I hate how much email I got about this stuff from my kid's school that got sent on a two-line to 35 people. Like, uh this is... I, the, don't these people understand? But, you know... It's all just computers. (laughs) Is the crazy? Really? Honestly, it's it's if we watched a movie of ourselves and how we act about this stuff that we could get mad about people who are saying too much about something on Twitter. Well, you know, I I mute them or I mute their topics. But it's really weird how many things we can get really wrapped up in and can be used to prove why we are the way we are. Well, I didn't get anything done this week because I get all this stupid email from people and my phone's beeping all the time. Is that really true? Or are you just kind of mad about your relationship with those people? Are you really just maybe even more accurately? Are you just maybe kind of mad with the fact that you can't figure out how to sit down and finish this one project? Like really, you're going to blame beeps for why your life is the way it is? You know you can turn beeps off. You really can it's you can you can you can go and do that. It's not really the beeps. It's your brain feeling bad about who you are and feeling bad about these unmanaged relationships with people you know and impossible relationships with strangers. You've taken all of that and eaten it with a giant spoon, and now that's become who you are. So you're not really mad at all those people. You're mad at yourself. I think you know if you if you reach the kind of uh, age of sagacity that I have reached, I think that that's a thing that's well worth at least remembering a couple times a week, is that you can choose to find a, a problem or solution in, in many, many different things. And there's almost no problem anywhere on any of that spectrum that has to do with beeps. It does not really have to do with inboxes. It does not have to do with little blue birds. It does not have to do with app things. It's about deciding how much of the world's input is really critical to deciding that, that, that you're going to be a decent person today and make stuff that you like. I, 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 I believe that. I don't always live it, but I believe it. And anytime time that I get too mad at the beeps, I want to try and remember that it's really me that I'm frustrated with.
0: Hmm. For me, it, it rings true that it's it's about unmanaged relationships and expectations.
1: So, so, and, and don't you agree, though, in, in some cases, impossible things? I mean, I, I, actually, an example I gave on the last Back to Work talking about, you know, I was a kid about my in-laws who have a, a, a regular, like, I say landline phone, but it's like an Xfinity Comcast phone. But still, they have a phone in their house that's got a real number. And pretty much, in my experience, all they get is phone solicitation stuff, right? Mm, Yeah. And they hate it. They hate it, but yet they can't believe we don't have one of those. It's a very, very strange thing. So, you know, that to me is like almost something from like a Marx Brothers movie. The idea of having this device that you pay for to have in your house that does nothing but make you into an angry, silent film character every time it's used. You know, you talk about technology and all, you know, we all call this stuff with technology and people blaming technology. Well, I mean, you can shut that phone off. You can unplug it. You, you could You could have it removed. It would probably really improve your quality of life in that instance because you don't have any control over that person who's calling you on a VoIP line from Bangalore to ask you if you want to buy shoe insurance. And you say, listen, I want to be on your do not call list i don 't want your shoe insurance, you are legally. you are breaking the law you know what you're, you're it's it 's like it 's like, it's like yelling at rain that 's not going to change anything about that. The whole system is predicated on calling enough people and annoying them until somebody buys something you you don 't you don 't even matter in that equation you're just, you 're just they 've already disconnected you by that point they don 't they 'll call you again because it doesn 't matter it doesn 't cost anything. Well, you know that is the kind of thing i <laughs> I would love to try and minimize as much as possible, but also understand that me getting mad at the at the at the you know auto dialer in Bangalore is not going to make the problem go away, and this maybe gets us into something useful. Adding the right kinds of levels of mindful filtering and notifications, I think, can help a lot, or can at least take the blame off of the big bad world and and put it into something that's a little bit more manageable.
0: Yeah, it's almost if you can take the the like you said, if we could take the concentric ring example but apply it to something completely different it's you at the center and then those that are closest to you you know your loved ones that are in that ring well hopefully they're in the ring right with you or i don't know they'd be the ring right out
1: no no I, out, I, I,
0: i'm with you and yeah i'm totally with you and, and it just keeps going further out and it's like mm, only so far in do you get uh to bypass do not disturb setting on my phone or something, you know. That's
1: that's it's absolutely right. But let's let's first acknowledge step zero that, that is that that is accepting mindfully accepting something that is a huge trade off that has big implications. But that's a trade off that I've chosen. What you just described, um, and I, I don't I don't love it, but it's a trade off that I've chosen, which is that my stuff is pretty locked down. Um, outside of the circle of people that I know, just in the sense that it isn't like like I don't see what other people say, but it's pretty unlikely, mostly, that I'm going to stop what I'm doing for a stranger most of the time. Not because I hate strangers, but just because that's the, that, this is what I've accepted, is that, unfortunately, the superset of those we call strangers includes a lot of bad actors and a lot of people I don't know, and a lot of people where it doesn't cost them anything to get my attention. And, and I certainly give a lot away there, but it's it's not super easy to, to contact me. It's not super easy to contact me immediately at all, because I, I, I acknowledge that as those inboxes, I know I have to take care of them, but they have to behave those those inboxes have got to toe the line. Otherwise, I just I I would way rather just not know about it <laughs> than um, be even slightly inconvenienced by it. So it's it's a little bit like I don't know if you remember in the days in the early two thousands when spam filtering was getting better, and uh, you know in various services you could go in and tweak spam filters to you know uh, watch out for false positives, watch out for false negatives. But anytime you tweaked your spam filter, you would. Oddly enough, discover there's some stuff getting through that shouldn't be getting through, and some stuff that, like, should definitely be getting through is not getting through, and you're not sure why. Maybe, you know, your aunt mentioned Viagra in an email or something. <laughs> but do you remember those days? It was pretty complicated stuff. There was no simple heuristic yeah. for making sure that you simply weren't annoyed in life. It was way more complicated than that because that's not how computers think. So, I mean, fortunately for us, and very fortunately for me, this stuff has come a long way, even in the last couple of years, to where I really I hate to sound careless, but I've really weighed heavily on the side of saying, well, there might be stuff I miss. There might be stuff people need to ping me about twice. There might be stuff where somebody has to try a second channel to get me. But like, I'm just such a happier person to not be sitting there worrying and waiting, like what I have to sift through to get to the stuff that I know matters. You know, it's it's kind of the cost of doing business. If you talk the kind of talk that I do, is that I. And I'd be happy to tell you some of these kinds of things. Um, should we talk about that? Yeah, let's do that. Well, I mean, one thing is email. Um, email is a thing. And uh, I uh, I use Gmail mostly. And one thing that I've done, and this took a lot of time. There are services that can do this for you. But one thing is that I there are different apps that I use on my phone and stuff that are – The kind of apps you hear about for doing stuff like quickly processing email and things like that. None of those, because of the way Gmail is set up, it's very difficult to leverage wonderful stuff like uh, important, like the important inbox, the priority inbox on Gmail. It's kind of hard to leverage that from an iOS app. Right. Yeah, I've had that same experience. Yeah, and I guess I should say I, I have had quite good success with Priority Inbox, um, such that I have a text expander snippet that when I type it into the location bar on Chrome, it takes me to important unread email from the last 24 hours. And that's where I start. So, and, uh, boy, at, at the risk of, of blowing it, there's rarely more than five emails in there. So it's tough, So the Gmail, I guess, algorithm learns over time what is important. Like, and through, through, you know, through some stuff where they can guess, well, these are very important words, this must be important. But really, just the most obvious thing, which is emails from people, are there people whose email you very frequently read and respond to? And I have to assume that you respond to all of their emails. If you respond a lot to somebody's emails, it notices that. And it makes it important. Are you with me so far? Yeah, totally. That's always where I start on the web, which is where I generally do my emailing stuff when I'm on the desktop. But you can't get that on the phone. I, so, so part of one thing I've done is I, you know, I, I, I try to minimize the amount of email stuff I do on an iOS device just because I can't turn that stuff into action nearly as easily as I can on the computer. And for the kind of work that I do, there's not usually too much pressing stuff that I have to take care of at 9 at night or whatever. So if I have to do stuff on the phone and I get email from people, I'll, I will turn it in I'll make a calendar event uh, usually on Calendars 5, I think it's called. on My iPhone It's my favorite calendar app, that and Fantastical. Or I'll mail it to the OmniFocus uh, task robot, and it'll turn into an OmniFocus task if I'm just trying to quickly move on. Another thing I've done, though, and this took some time, but it's really been worth it, is I went in uh, in Gmail. I went through and fairly doggedly made myself <laughs> click on all mail every day or two. And I'd go into all mail. And so all mail is all the stuff you've got that isn't deleted or spam, Uh right? It's not just your inbox. It's certainly not just your important inbox. It's all the email, filtered and otherwise, read and otherwise, everything you've received. And so what I do periodically is go through there and start noticing things that I didn't need to ever appear in my inbox at all. And I started kind of doggedly going and creating filters for those things. This is is not anything new. People have been doing this for 10 years now. But but that that has helped so much. So things like going in and there's you can go read tutorials for how to do all this stuff. But for example, I want to know if I got paid by PayPal, but I don't want to have to read my receipts for stuff I bought on PayPal. Like I know I just bought it. Like I just got delivery food. I know that I don't need that email. So there's a whole constell. I'll just say there's a whole constellation of what I would call notification emails, and I will just say using emails and notification medium is not a great next to a phone call. It's like the almost the worst way to find out about something because it's so hard to do programmatically anyhow uh, so like things like receipts all kinds of receipts mark as read and archive automatically doesn't even really touch the inbox from my point of view um, certainly anything you can go and do a search just up in the top bar go do a search on the word unsubscribe try and find as many, there are so many things I never even realize I quote unquote subscribe to um, and I will go through. And if I'm feeling really good-hearted, I'll click unsubscribe on all of them. If I'm feeling bad-hearted, I'll just hit exclamation mark and mark them as spam. Um, and, and Eric, what what you know? What's the service everybody uses now for uh, unsubscribing from stuff?
0: Isn't there? A, uh, well, there's the
1: one. No, well, there's the, I know there's things like um, SaneBox, but no. What's what's
0: that one everybody oh, unroll using? me
1: unroll me? Yes. Now is there a way to do keep using unroll me? That beyond just having to tweet about it to people? Because I would love to use that all the time. Have you
0: used it? I, I tried it out. And I felt like it was – I stopped at the point it wanted me to tweet about it. Yeah, it, it, I felt – well, and I did that once or twice and I was like, oh, I just feel dirty now. Um, I stopped because I felt like it was starting to take over my – gmail and i was like uh you just pulled stuff that i don't want you to pull so same
1: box will do that
0: if you're not careful
1: yeah and go 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 and look at things like that the same box and unroll me anyway i guess what i'm trying to get at at a very high level is start by making sure like let's let's take it as read there's going to be stuff that for whatever general reason there's stuff you definitely always want to see now what's the opposite of that is there stuff you pretty much never want to see not spam but stuff you don't need to see You know, LinkedIn notifications. Like, uh, I would just sign off of those, and you'll need to sign off numerous times. Personally, I would sign off of those. Anything you just don't need notifications about, unsubscribe from. Anything that you want to have a record of, just make sure it's all included in some kind of a a filter or a – that's what they call it, right? A filter that will mark it as read. And you could certainly you could tag it and stuff like that. But I would just say markets red and and, and then archive it. Why is that important? Because now your inbox is becoming cleaner and cleaner automatically. Anything you can do, you don't want to over automate this to where it's, you know, getting rid of good stuff. But make sure that anything you know for sure you never need to know about in your inbox, but you still want to have automate as much of that as you can. And that's going to be different for everybody. That was huge for me. So now, no matter what inbox I ever go to, I have appallingly few, (laughs) wonderfully few emails that aren't, uh, I I don't get a lot of automatic robotic emails anymore. Pretty much what's in there is going to be from people. And of course, as you can guess, when I get something that isn't a robotic email, I add it to the filter so I don't have to see it there. It's, you know, it's like mowing your lawn. It's kind of the cost of doing business when you do an email, but that has worked great for me. And then what's great is like I and I, I like uh, I I know I'm not supposed to like this app, but I use Mailbox on my phone. I never open Mail.app. app. Uh, I don't even have I don't even have my email credentials entered in my phone on my iPhone. I just use Mailbox. Um,
0: I think that's what it's called.
1: Mailbox. It's let me look.
0: The one that you had to wait in line to get, and you can like swipe to send it to come back around later. Yeah, is yeah. That what it is.
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to see what it's called. It is called I think Mailbox. It's mailbox. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 it's it's encouraging a habit that I used to really discourage in people, but I love it because there. If it's something, what's great is you just swipe one way and it archives it, really easy. Or if you do a hard, long swipe, it deletes it. But uh and so it makes a really faster process email. You could even grab the entire inbox and mark it as read just with one swish. What I find handy about it that I shouldn't, but I do, is that it lets you punt emails into the future. So if it's something I know I want to do and turn it into a task, damn right, I send that to OmniFocus and make it a task. If it's something where I just, if it's you know, if I'm headed into a call with somebody and I just want to see this later, I could say, put this back in my inbox later. And that works fine for me. Or next week, or some point in the future. Whatever. I use that constantly and I love it. But it only works because I did all those acrobatics back in Gmail. Right. If I that would not be this would not be I would even open this if I had to deal with all those robot emails all the time.
0: You're able to do a, a mobile quick triage with mailbox because you put in the hard work on the desk. Yeah, I mean that's a great tool for the job. Yeah. I mean if I want to do anything
1: like grown up with email, I really need to be at my computer or my laptop, at my desktop or my laptop. I just Especially with iOS 7, it's I just don't have a high level of confidence using iOS right now. But that's pretty basic. But then I'll tell you, there's uh, something I've talked about so many times. It's so critical to me. Well, really two things involving notifications. Can I, can I go on with this? this yeah, is cool. totally. Keep going. One is um, if you are using Mail.app on your phone... Um, And even if you're not, the VIP stuff is still pretty great. You can add email addresses to a VIP group so that basically whenever you say like, I I have a set of notification options for the world. But then for these people, like if I get it, if if they call me, for example, at night, ring my phone, even if it's turned off. I believe that's how it works. That's pretty great. It only works on the iPhone, though. It's kind of limited. I really like a service called AwayFind. I think they're not the only service that offers this, but I like them a lot. I'm not compensated by them, though I should be. Um, AwayFind is is really, really simple. Um, You can go to a website and do all this, or you can do it through a Gmail plugin. Uh, The nut of it is that AwayFind lets you know when stuff happens with your email that you've told it you want to know about. At the most basic level, I think the way it started out initially was to say, hey, I'm going to make this form for my website. Like, listen, if you want to email me, send it to a way, fine. Or like if it's an emergency, you can always go to this page and get to me. I think that was their original value proposition. But the, the way most of us use it today is a way to say, here's a list of email addresses or even just domains where if, I, if an email arrives from any of these people or any of these domains or any of these subject lines that I've tagged – let me know about it, send a push notification to my phone. I've found this to be the most effective way to deal with stuff. If you're using the Gmail plugin for Chrome, in my case, I can go in and say, if I receive anything from this person for the next week, let me know about it. But after that, don't keep doing it, right? How great is that? Like if oh, I got a yeah. client, if I got a client I need to do something with, I got to get paid or get some contract signed, anything I receive from this person for the next month, from the domain even, like push it to me fantastic this subject line if anybody replies to an email with this subject line push notification and then when you get that push notification you just flick it on your phone and go straight into the awayfine app where you can respond to it or what have you i don't want to oversell it but this has been really instrumental for me in having a level of confidence that i can walk away and you know but if i get an email from jonathan colton or dan benjamin or scott simpson I'm going to know about it. Because those are people I want to know if they email me, right? Like, let me know. Those are people who are like, I'm willing to stop what I'm doing to at least see what they have to say. And, uh, you know, it's not perfect, but brother, has that ever helped me have confidence to not be checking my email all the time? Because if there is a big grumbly mean horror in there that's coming from a stranger, yeah, it might get picked up and I'll know about it. If it's really bad news coming by email, I'll find it soon enough. But I don't necessarily want to stop what I'm doing throughout the day. And so back to like learning when you get paid by PayPal or whatever, any of the, let's take a subject line for any kind of payment thing that you get and make that one of those subject lines. Oh, hey, you just got paid by the deck. Cool. Uh, and so forth. Well, you don't have to see every single thing that comes in. You don't have to say all oh, paypal.com. Do you, do you follow me?
0: Yeah, totally. I'm I taking know, have,
1: notes. Is it Eric? Have you ever used uh, a way find?
0: No, I, I honestly, I've heard the word and I'm like, why have I not tried this yet? So I'm definitely on board.
1: I'm, I'm, uh, I'm probably more interested than I should be in these services because I, 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 I always have to open by saying, look, this is not a panacea. This will not fix your relationship problems. What it will do is let you have a level of sanity about what you've decided is important. The world can decide whether you're bonkers for wanting your world to be the way it is. But I'm very into anything that lets me filter the world to a way that's sensible to me. So I love these kinds of things. Like I say, SaneBox is another one. Sandbox is really cool, and uh, I think it's something a lot of people can look at. It's really good at doing things like unsubscribing you from stuff you don't want to be subscribed to. It's great for learning patterns from you about where you want stuff to be filed. It's, uh, if you're a filer, you got to look at Sandbox. Me, um, I think I, st- I definitely still have some things that automatically add tags from filters I used years ago. But honestly, at this point, I've got, I got my inbox, and i got Archive. And that's pretty much it. And then all mail, you know, is kind of a different inbox. But you, do you follow? Yeah. Like, I, I, I can't tell you the last time that I <laughs> – I just can't imagine having a service made by Google where you would rely on folders more than searching. The searching in Google has gotten so great. you know. So, for example, if you're, if you're at the end of your rope today, guys, and you're thinking, oh, I just can't stand this anymore. I'm losing my mind. What am I going to do? You know, you can do stuff like going to Gmail and say, show me everything in the inbox before the date of this date. You can even say before this date and uh, read, before this date not starred. I think you can do that. You could go and clean, you could do your own little personal shh, quiet version of email bankruptcy. You could go in and say, get rid of everything in my inbox that's before one week ago. Don't tell anybody. But just archive it. You still got it, right? You can always still go back there and go answer all that email you love so much. But it's really, if you need a fresh start, use leverage that finding capability inside of Gmail to give yourself a fresh start. And then go sit there for two hours like a gentleman, answer all of those emails, file those emails, delete those emails, whatever, and start with that empty inbox. Because I have to say, I go back and forth with the titular Inbox Zero, but um, getting a slightly more casual and relaxed attitude toward email, uh, even as I cringe sometimes, has made me much more comfortable saying, you know what, I'm just going to lop this all into Monday. Whoop, one swipe, bring it all back on Monday, I'll deal with it later. Um, and then if it keeps coming up again and again, I, um, I've gotten to a point where I say, you know, I've looked at this three times and I haven't done anything with it. I'm just going to go ahead and mark it as archived.
0: But anyway... Uh, sorry, that was long. I'm glad that we we kept going because I, I really liked what we we ended up with, especially because it kind of comes back around to what we originally started with. and if you can take the time to set up some of these granular settings and just de- you know deciding or helping the tools decide <laughs> yes or and and vice versa how you're going to do things, then you can have more of a you know uh, piece. Let's let's use the word peace. I, I, yes, absolutely. And here's, here's the, the
1: part that's – the needling part, Eric, is that you could take the last 15, 20 minutes or however long it's been I've been ranting about this and put that out as its own episode. And I think a lot of people would probably get stuff from that and they'd probably be really happy with it. But I honestly feel – and this is what, this is what makes me different from normal people and makes me really self-involved. I think learning that last 20 minutes of stuff – is way, way, way more useful, way more doable, way more sustainable if you've walked that black, dark walk through everything that preceded that in this podcast. I don't think you can make sane implementation decisions until you understand the landscape that you're dealing with. And that's why I always blanch at people who want to go straight to the tips and tricks, because anybody can give you tips and tricks, That's why anybody can do it. They're useless unless you understand what you're trying to accomplish. And all of those gymnastics I just described, you know, I've evolved them over time. They'll change more in the future. There's probably stuff I'm missing, but that's what I can live with. And it's what enables me to be able to not feel like a crazy person who's constantly wondering, you know, what's about to blow up. So I, I'm, I'm glad it's useful. And, and I guess I would say, you know, I I just feel like there's so much advice out there about how to do stuff with email. Some of these plugins can be super useful. Don't get too bogged down in them. Yeah. Like come, come, up with, come up with this little picture of the life that, that you'd like to have and then get the plugins that support that. There's lots of good stuff out there. If, <laughs> if you're not stuck <laughs> on mail.app on Mavericks, do you use that? No, never. I hear it's pretty bad. Yeah, I, I, I
0: skipped mail.app a long time ago.
1: I still, I, like I said last time and last time we visited, I think learning the, you know, taking a day, maybe a day split over two weeks, but taking the time every time you start to do something with your mouse in Gmail, hit uh, whatever it is, Command Shift, question mark, and look at what you find out you could have done that with like one keystroke. It's like once you learn those, your life changes. It's using Mail.app, it feels like using a broken pinball machine. You're like, why am I clicking on all of these things? This is so weird. I want to hit like, uh, you know, J, 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 X, 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 E, 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 like, it's just bracket bracket, you know, it's, you get so fast with those things that, you know, email becomes what it's supposed to be, which is, a, a you know, a polite inform- information butler that serves at your pleasure rather than being somebody who's constantly nudging you to ask if you want shoe insurance. <laughs> well said. Uh, Merlin,
0: you've outdone yourself. No, I haven't. Well, But thank you. Uh,
1: in my I'm sorry. This is, this is the weirdest podcast. Can I make one request? Sure. I'll make one request. Um, people are always asking, what do you want to pimp? Uh, I, uh, I would say if, if, if any of this was useful to you, and I'm very sorry if this was useful to you, you might want to check out an episode of Back to Work from a few weeks ago called Anxiety is a Goat which uh, I think will dovetail with this in many ways. It's it's a more penetrable version of a lot of what we talked about here, but I don't know. I think I'm think i just realizing how many people in my life, including me, struggle with a lot of these issues, of worrying about stuff. And uh, I, I would like people to listen to that. It would make me happy if they would
0: listen to that. I will link that up in the show notes for this episode to make sure people can go find that very easily.
1: I'm very glad you had me back, though. Yeah. This has
0: been uh, interesting and, and informative. Yeah. For all of us. so uh, Especially for from, me. <laughs> I'm glad I could help you out. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming back. My pleasure. Anytime, Eric. Thanks,
1: thanks very much. I enjoy your show.
0: Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. If you enjoyed this episode and this is your first time listening – Make sure to go check us out at List dot com and consider subscribing or previewing some of the other great conversations that we have with other great guests. Thanks again to Merlin for yet again having another great episode and and again, make sure to check out the show notes at List dot com slash fifty nine to find the link to Merlin's previous episode of this very podcast, as well as that one that he referenced of the Back to Work podcast, anxieties A Goat. There's the link there in the show notes. Again, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next episode.